Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline, and I'm on the marketing team. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Liz. I head up the Ballard creative team. We're We're your host. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now, on with the show. Okay, so the last, we are finally here at episode four. Maggie, you've been such a good sport chatting with all of all of the other experts and now we get to your 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 stage where we're talking interior design finishes full-scale interior design project in tandem with building a brand new house from the ground up so if anyone is this is your first time tuning in i suggest you go back and listen to the first three episodes we've got maggie griffin here one of our favorite designers out of gainesville georgia from of maggie griffin design and she is going to be answering all of our questions about planning the interior design of your new built house and all that comes with the finishing touches but uh, although of course I say finishing touches. I feel like that's just such a good broad term, but really you touch it. It's not just the finishing touches. It's the finishes. It's, it's, it's much, much more than that, but, but welcome. Thanks for for chatting with us today. Thank you. Thank you all so much for having me on the series. I feel like this has been so fun and just like a great way to educate you guys, like the listeners that are so loyal to y'all's podcast. We get this question a lot when we do our kind of office Q and A's just about the process. And so it's really hard to answer it just in a, in a question format or even outline what it looks like on our website. So having a series like what you guys have done, I think is just awesome. So thank you for doing it. And thank you for letting me be a part. Of course we, you are one of our go-to gals and we glad you could make time to chat with us. So I, I mean, you kick us off. Where, where I've just, you know, say I'm, say I'm your client. I've, I love you. I love your style. I'm building a house from the ground up. Like what, mm-hmm. what are those initial questions I need to ask? And how do I get the process started? When do I Absolutely. bring you in? Yes. Yeah, so we, um, here at Maggie Griffin design, we have four designers and I mostly do new builds and some of my other designers do them too, but that's kind of where I am in my uh, workload right now because of the current building boom. We're doing a lot of second homes. We're doing primary residences. We're doing big, large-scale renovations. And so typically there's already an architect on board, or at least that's in process when they call me too. I like to know well in advance if you're going to be engaging our services or not, just so we can have the time and space on our calendar. We can kind of guide you on what that time frame looks like with your architect and with your builder. I had a potential client call me a couple of weeks ago and she's engaged a a big name Atlanta architect. And she said that his office told her that they would get started on the plans in January. And I said, okay, that's great. Like, thanks for calling me. I'm on board. I like working with that particular architect. They kind of told me that the project would be a good one, you know, just knowing that that's what she was doing. They're building on family land. And so I then educated her on the timeline involved. I said, he starts on these best case January. Let's just go ahead and say it might be February, just because I know how things work. 
then you're looking at at least six to nine months, like we said earlier in the series, on just getting those plans in hand. Well, then it's got to be timed so perfectly with your contractor. And then along the way, you're going to be meeting with me. We're going to be redoing revisions. And so one of her questions to me actually was, how can I speed this along? And I said, listen, you don't want to try to do that. Like this needs to be enjoyed. You need to be patient. Mm -hmm. If you have engaged this caliber of a team, it's not a quick fix. And really, we hope that you're on the receiving end of a much easier and more predictable building climate than right now at the end of 2020. Right. So hopefully, if you aren't even starting to build until the end of next year and into 23, um, let's just hope that things and and we do think things will be much better. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's from kind of the get go. And so I gave her some homework. I said, you know, before you meet with the architect, I'm sure you have devoured his work and you're clearly, you know, ours too, but start the the process of honing in on that, that common thread like we spoke about. Start seeing what, okay, I have now pinned or tagged or torn out of magazines a hundred images. And mm-hmm. how can I see that common thread start building through? So once she has at least a rough draft, if if it's a what we call just a sketch, a napkin sketch drawing from that architect on her layout, then I will insist on having a meeting here in our office where we sit down at our table. My assistant has her computer out. She's taking notes while I'm literally talking the client through the entire home. We start with vision for the exterior. These are usually four to six hour meetings. A lot of times we will have lunch brought in so that I start getting a little hungry and have the time to really talk about the whole concept. And so like we were talking about with Kevin in the previous episode, if the client is coming to us and they have designed a very classically styled home, then that already gives me cues on what they are going to want for the interiors of the house too. That may be fully classic, but maybe it's for a modern young family, or maybe they're in a different phase of their life and they're older clients and they have a collection of beautiful formal things. You know, we need to find homes for what they have or they're starting from scratch and that's always fun too. But really from the exterior, we literally start at the front door and we say, what do you want this room, this space, this foyer, this entry to feel like? Are there two symmetrical walls where we can put a pair of chests, a pair of lamps, a pair of mirrors, a pair of complimentary art pieces, really kind of starting from that front space. What does it look like when you turn to the right? What does it look like when you turn to the left? What sort of lighting are you envisioning? What sort of millwork is feeling appropriate for these spaces? And so I'm taking cues from them. And then I'm also imparting my thoughts on things that they should incorporate. It's really fun because it's the first time probably that they see how it will feel when they live there in their head. The whole time we're cross-referencing between possibly a photo I could pull up from our portfolio or cross-referencing to photos from, say, Pinterest or out of a shelter magazine or out of a coffee table book. I think it is very, very helpful for clients to see in some way, a visual of what I have Mm -hmm. possibly in my head. A lot of people don't have the verbiage or the language to put what they want on paper. So I can say, oh, you want a five inch cove molding. I got that. Like I can tell, I 
can kind of read those things that I can translate it for the architect or the contractor. And so from there, we have generally started room by room, sort of their living and breathing Google Doc that we will keep for the entire process. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, that is generally divided by room. It will have for every room, wall, ceiling, trim, color, millwork application, millwork details, architectural features, cabinet details, cabinet hardware on down the line to the furnishings coming at the end. And so, you know, it may not be time for us to spec a drapery fabric for her master bedroom, but maybe there's one that she's always wanted. And it is a beautiful kind of grand millennial floral that she feels like we could translate into a modern way. Well, that tells me from the get-go how the direction we can go in. And so I do think those things are helpful. Now, that's not to say a lot of our clients are completely open-minded the whole way. And so we kind of build it very organically. But if you tell me I can't stand marble, I don't want to have to deal with the upkeep. I don't want to have to deal with resealing it every year. I kind of need to know that too. What are your maintenance needs and wants so that we can tell we can go out when we're shopping for those finishes along the way that I know what to steer clear from, or I know what to Mm -hmm. gravitate towards. So after that really fun conceptual meeting, we have started the Google doc. And then from there, we schedule another time to meet. So when we're building a house with a client, we have a standing appointment every three and a half to four weeks throughout the duration of the building process. And we'll usually schedule those out about six months in advance, just so everybody's got it on their calendar can kind of work around it. And there may be times where there's some lag time in your build and we don't necessarily have to meet, or maybe it's better just to hop on the phone instead of a formalized meeting, but we leave it open-ended, whether that's going to be here in our studio or on site at the property. A lot of times we can meet here in our studio and we have resources to pull from here if we need to start touching and feeling things. But once the house is nearer, the plans are nearer to completion then we can start the process of picking out finishes. Generally, we start with what we call our primary finishes, which are plumbing, tile work, lighting, and appliances. Those are the big things that if you ever sold the home, moved out of the home, that will stay with the house. And usually those four things are chosen in a two-day span just kind of depending on location and and where you're building. But we try to do that over two days and we try to do say appliances, plumbing and tile in one day, because at the end of that day, you can see a room start to take place, take Mm -hmm. shape. You can see the faucet you chose, the tile work that's going to go in the shower. You can see your backsplashing your kitchen and you know, the appliance that's going to go up against that. I think that's really helpful to kind of build from there Because if we spread it out too much, the client forgets, we kind of lose a little momentum, I'm probably going to forget. It helps to just kind of build a room kind of in conjunction with picking out those finishes. Then we usually try to do lighting a separate day. Lighting can be, lighting is really fun to me because it also sets a very, sets a style of a house. So if you come in and you've got you know, you want all say black fixtures that are all like heavy iron and kind of more handsome, then we're probably not going to use a lot of florals with Mm -hmm. that. But if we're coming in and we're using some more traditional brass tones that are really popular right now, just kind of warmer bronzes, antiqued brass, French antiques, that starts to kind of guide me on style. 
And then from there, we start what we call our secondary finishes meetings. So that will entail cabinetry details, hardware mm -hmm. choices, cabinet fronts, usually will entail countertops. It will entail millwork details. Where are we putting shiplap? Where are we putting V-groove? What type of crown mold? What type of baseboard? And what type of door are we using? That will also include interior door hardware. Your windows would be along between the primary and secondary finishes. Uh, your exterior, hopefully your those materials have been solidified because they will finish your exterior, you know, much quicker than they do the interior. They're going to want to go ahead and put that roof shingle on the house so that they can dry in the house and start that interior process. So we try to put those things into what we call schedules so that we have a plumbing schedule, we have a tile schedule, we have a paint schedule, we have a lighting schedule so that the contractors can ask for the or hopefully we've gotten those to them before they ask for them, but they can then hand them over to the right subcontractor. Mm -hmm. So they can hand over the lighting schedule to the electrician. That is just reiterates that chandelier goes over that dining room table. Those two pendants go over that island. And so then, you know, the house is taking shape. And as we talked about with Kevin, there may be a thousand versions of a house plan along the way, because that set of plans is as living and breathing as our Google Doc is. Nine times, if not 10 times out of 10, we make a framing change. So it may be something as simple as like, oh, I didn't really realize how that door was going to swing right there. Let's frame it for a pocket instead of a door swing. Or, you know, I really don't want my cabinet, my upper cabinet door to hit the wall like that. Like, let's maybe do some open shelves. So just some things along the way. Mm -hmm. And really that document really isn't finished until the house is finished. Same yeah. thing with our Google Doc. The whole time we're on site with our clients and we're making notes of things that we need to remember or things that need to be are going to be requested of us. We're taking note on our phone, on our laptops, on site of things that we need to produce for the construction process to be, keep going efficiently. Along the way with interiors, we try to kind of start filtering that into our meetings because we've had clients up front and they're like, I know my house isn't built yet, but I really like this mirror for the bathroom. Okay, well, if you really, really want to buy the mirror because it's on sale, then that's fine. Or let's just keep that mirror in mind and then we'll see how the other parts of the room mm -hmm. evolve. I imagine that's such a hard thing to do when you are working on a project and you are so eager to see it come together to really exercise that muscle, that patience muscle, mm -hmm. because you're like, oh, it's on sale. It's 40% off. Like, I got to do it right now. But I'm sure that it really pays off to have someone like you and working on the project to really keep you disciplined and focused on your goal, I guess. Absolutely. And, you know, there's always going to be a sale. So, you know, it's it's nice to just kind of <laughs> practice that patience on is this the right choice or am I more enticed because it's on sale? What level should the product be that you do build around it? Like, what do you have that's so special that like you, you we come to you and say, I have this X and you're like, absolutely. Let's start. That is the point. So usually it's an heirloom piece or just a large like case good. A rug is a good example. 
Rugs are funny though, because they just look different in different houses. Their sizes are, can be kind of wonky. A lot of times if we have heirloom rugs, then we're layering those over larger natural fiber rugs so that you get that kind of more wall-to-wall look that's going to make your room feel more expansive. Larger case goods, like we've built niches for homois that, or linen presses or hutch pieces. You know, I have three big pieces in my house. I have this great break front that I got for 500 bucks at an antique mall 10 years ago. I have my china cabinet that is in the shape of a pagoda that I love. And then I have an antique secretary that my mom gave me. Those are three pieces that I know I have to find a home for. So I know I need three walls mm-hmm. and they really can't be all in the same room. <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you kind of got to be like, right. So that that's important too, to have dimensions available photos when you, when you can of pieces that you feel very heartfelt about keeping. So we can always find room for a great bachelor chest that you've had for a while. We can find room for a a good um, console piece, you know, but I do think that if there is something that you feel really, really strongly about, it's nice to know it up front. So it sounds like one of a kind is what is the short answer. Like versus mirror I found more sentiment like it's not only a wonderful piece but there's sentimental value attached Mm -hmm. to it no I think that's a great because it's like if you maybe come upon and even when you're shopping if you come upon something that that there's only one of them then maybe that's a different scenario and you do need to take advantage and and buy it right then I feel like we get that advice from interior designers all the time like Mm -hmm. you see but if it's from I mean as much as I love us like we're probably still going to have that mirror in six months it's not going to go away so so sure maybe you're going to save $50 now but if it doesn't end up working then you actually lost $100 so it's like just wait sure well and you know there are big ticket items when it comes to any household like I mean, your dining table and dining chairs, if you have to buy those, it, it that is a huge mm-hmm. chunk because a quality chair and a beautiful table, it just adds up very quickly. So if you come across this great set of like 12 antique chairs and all they need is a little, maybe a, a good looking fabric on those, scoop those up. You know, we can hold those, like store them until the time right. is right. Same thing. If you come across a great looking antique headboard or something, you're like, oh my gosh. And the price is awesome scoop that up too. But nine times out of 10, a little accessory we can probably find again. If you find a rug that you're like, oh my God, it's got every color I've ever wanted and it's not quite big enough, but we can layer it. We can do that too. But I think that being open to a little bit of change there too is nice because things do evolve so much, especially we have a lot of clients who are empty nesters and are downsizing or moving into a different style home that they never really thought they would live in. So they may have been in a really, really like uber traditional, like nineties, early two thousands traditional house where it was kind of very in vogue to have the darker tapestries. Maybe we've got some cranberry, some sage, we've got Browns. Well, then we're moving into this very like kind of open and airy space. Well, that stuff's just not going to work. And if you Mm do pick and choose, sometimes they just kind of stick out. So I think that being open to a little bit of change there, we got a lot of clients who recover pieces because say it was their grandmother's chair or a good looking sofa that they invested in 10 years ago, but really working with someone who is more 
a design professional who can guide you on scale. Scale is by far the most important thing to me in interiors and by Mm -hmm. far the most important, like hard thing to teach. Because at the end of the day, there's just not a lot of rule when it comes to scale. It comes more from feeling and doing and probably a fair amount of trial and error. <laughs> that that happens in-house too at Ballard. There's, in my many years there, I've drawn a few things where I've been like, well, that scale is real bad. <laughs> you know, it's in maybe the details. It was a but... little too small or maybe it was a little too deep. Or... Just too big. Yeah. 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 Being more open to, okay, that, that desk probably is a little dinky for my new home office. And not trying to kind of pigeonhole that. I do think that there is something to be said for finding a cool architectural piece that you incorporate into the actual building structure of the house. Mm -hmm. But those things really need to be decided pretty early on. Like, don't waste Mm -hmm. your time past framing stage to pick out a cool pair of antique doors that will open into your butler's pantry. Really, it's so much better to have those say, okay, I found these two at Scott's. I love these. They need to be framed such and such size. Sometimes they'll have to be cut down or we're doing that for a project of ours outside of Athens. And they're just a a really cool pair of antique doors. We're keeping all the original hardware on there. So it's just going to look like that kind of found piece that gives a house to me the right kind of permanence or little chip or, you know, a little bit of layering and texture. But I think that has been very trendy too over the past 10 years is to find a wonky piece and incorporate it. And I think that you kind of have to be careful mm-hmm. with how far you go with that. Right. Yeah. Like if you have 12 random windows shoved into your house, it might, might yeah. start to look real interesting. Right. Yeah. That. And like, I took a wagon wheel and made a coffee table out of it. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At some point um, you just got to be a little bit more careful. Mm-hmm. Things get kitschy. So, Okay, if you're, you know, you're doing a whole house, typically, where are, where should we be focusing? And we've kind of touched on this a little bit in previous episodes, but like, where should we be focusing those dollars? And where should we, I know this is like the the question you get every, every time, but like, let's talk through, you know, should it be in your faucets and your appliances and your finishes? Should it be in soft goods or should, like, I know there's a little bit of both, but like, are there things that maybe people haven't thought of that they should really put a big chunk of their budget that maybe they didn't expect? Yeah. So I know for me, I'm a cook. We, we collided our house and my kitchen is really important to me. And I find that to be true for most families that, the kitchen is where they spend a lot of time and you want quality pieces there. You want quality cabinets. You want good countertops. You want a pretty backsplash. It needs to be both functional, but it needs to be beautiful. For me, I need more than just the kitchen though. I need a butler's pantry. We're going to have a wet bar so that you can, I can have the space for the things that I love to use. Now that's because I love to set my tables and I love to entertain and I have parties and that type of thing, but that not, might not be true for everyone. So maybe you just need a really good walk-in pantry behind that kitchen and your kitchen can be beautiful and you can have beautiful pendants over your island and great looking bar stools. You know, to me, that seems like a really logical place to put some dollars. Now mm-hmm. that's probably a six figure chunk of your budget mm-hmm. will go into your kitchen, no matter how big it is. 
you know, it's just quality. It just adds up very quickly. Uh, right now in the current climate of our world, I would probably choose a faucet that could be uh, replaced with parts that are right here in the U.S. I probably would not choose an Italian roll faucet that would take six months to get a replacement part just because we don't know. Maybe it's six, maybe it's nine months if something did happen. So when it comes to choosing things like that, but now I'm kind of an appliance snob. I'm totally on the bandwagon of really nice appliances because I think that there are a lot of long-term benefits to having a refrigeration system that will keep your food the right storage of humidity and temperature and all those things. Like you're not going to be having to replace that lettuce as often as you, you did with a lesser expensive refrigerator. We love <laughs> Carolina looking funny. Tell me um, more. No, I was, I was like, what should I be buying? Let me be a snob too. Keep well, going. The whole, you know, the whole concept around sub zero is refrigeration is mm-hmm. the actual re- refrigeration. There's a mm-hmm. aesthetics component there too, but it will make your food last longer. And, and I know this because I've, we have moved and we've had so many brands of refrigerator. And I, I just, I remember even thinking the last time we had our Sub-Zero, I was like, I could tell, I could notice immediately the longevity of the food that was in our refrigerator. That's nuts. It's really cool. And if you have the chance to go and do their, one of their classes at their showroom in Atlanta, I highly recommend it. Just even if you don't have the product, I think it's just really interesting also all the different types of like and ways to cook food I think is really fun also kind of we have a lot of clients too who are like around our age who are now the ones that are hosting holidays so they're preparing for those couple of times a year when everybody's coming to their house they need they think they need double ovens and a warming drawer and X y and Z well a lot Did of we? people are really <laughs> passionate about warming drawers and double ovens, but I actually love the look of a big range. It kind of puts it all into one place. So now the way you can cook things, you can cook a cookie sheet of cookies and an onion casserole in the same side side of an oven. And they won't, they'll both taste like chocolate chip cookies and onion casserole. Your cookies won't taste like onion. So I think that there's just some really cool modern things mm-hmm. about appliances that are maybe just the if you haven't done all the research you just don't quite know about because really double ovens that are wall ovens take up quite a bit of room that you could have for more pantry storage or mm-hmm. dishware storage so all that to just say like just to kind of do some research you know do you is it really really important for you to have that nugget ice maker in your kitchen or are you okay with like an interior ice dispenser in your refrigerator yeah, I have another question just because I'm literally in the thick of what Maggie's saying. Sorry. No, no, appliance is- tangent is like as is living, breathing my evenings currently, too. So I had that question of like you're saying, even when you're thinking about this new home, because that's what this whole series is about. It, I'm planning to live a certain way that I've never lived before. So to your point, I've never had a I've, I've had a what I would assume a standard fridge and I've had a standard range. And so when they looked at me and said, do you want, you know, two ovens? I was like, I mean, there's like once every two weeks, an opportunity when something has to go in and something gets cold while I wait for the other thing. But like, is that enough? 
So how do you even with going through your clients too? I mean, and they asked me too, do you need a bigger fridge? And I'm like, well, my fridge right now functions, but can it function better? Do I need better? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I don't know when it's like, am I adding too to much? Know. I'm sure How once I go there, when yeah. you're like planning for a new type of living that you've never done before, I guess. Right. And you, yeah. It's more luxurious, but uh, yeah, I'm sure once you've been there, you're like, oh, I can't go back. But you know, because I've never been there. I'm like, I don't, I, yeah, it's hard to plan for it. How do you work with your clients on that? Well, I think that we all get really set in our ways. And I think there are yeah. ways that we have been doing things for a really long time and ways that our mamas did it and our ways that our grandmothers did it. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's like with a little tweak, maybe it's just now the way that you do it. So yeah. for the same way, like I had never had, so we did the 48 inch range that has the small side oven and then the big regular size um, oven. And we use that smaller one. 10 times more than the big side. But that was because I was putting in like chicken nuggets to bake. Mm-hmm. I never even had one. And I just kind of adapted to it really quickly. Yeah. Um, clients can be really passionate about a microwave drawer versus like a built-in microwave that has like a, a door that opens. Okay. I am big on the drawer. It's just the habit we've gotten into. I like that I can put a plate down into it. You know, if it's under counter, mm-hmm. I hadn't always had one, but I like it now. So you just yeah. kind of, adapt, but I do think doing some research, this is part of my homework too, with my building projects, my renovations, anyone who's doing a kitchen, take a day date and go to a showroom and see what is out there so that you can know definitively what you want to cross off the list. A lot of people think they need that in wall coffee maker. Well, that's an expensive kind of chunk that goes in your kitchen. Are you really drinking that much coffee? Mm -hmm. You know, Right. Be honest, you probably have a Starbucks addiction. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, you're driving through the Starbucks drive through yeah. anyway on your way to carpool yeah. or whatever. Like, exactly. Do you need to spend? And I've also, okay, I don't know if this is true, but I've heard they break and it's a pain in the rear end. And it's so. a pain. Yeah. And they're kind of difficult to clean. And one of those things, like, do, do you really need that? Same like with the nugget ice. Do we really need that? Mm-hmm. But when we went to the Sub Zero Wolf showroom, I was hooked on this steam oven, like kind of right, right out of the gate. I was like, to your point, Taryn, this is how I want to live now. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, you're going to come home from work and it's all going to be ready. It's going to be warm because I'm going to set the timers, all these things. And so David didn't even argue with me on it. He said, of course, if, <laughs> if it's all going to be ready when I walk in the door, let's do it, babe. So I got sold on something I wasn't even aware was could mm-hmm. make my life better or easier. Mm-hmm. Well, um, we're going to call you back and see how that steam oven's doing. I'm curious. I've never even heard of that. Well, I want y'all, we're going to film an episode at my house. <laughs> I'm cook for y'all. Okay. So obviously Maggie's really passionate about kitchen, but I think too, when you walk in your front door, like if, if you're looking to the right and there's a living room and the, to the left, there's a dining room, those spaces need to be appointed. That needs mm-hmm. to be something that feels very complete. Even if it's not down to like every, every single little thing, like, Get your nice rug on the floor. Get your pretty table. Get your chairs. Get your buffet and your lamps. Maybe your drapes, your grass cloth or whatever. Just make sure that that space is, when you walk in the door, you're happy too. You're coming Mm -hmm. into your own front door. If the space to the right happens to be kind of a flex space and it's a home office, let's think about putting a solid pocket door on there. So if it's staying messy, we can shut the door. Your family room is probably going to be where you guys are all hanging out, maybe a little bit more casual space. Then I think that if you've got those basics, 
that you can be happy with the way it looks. If you have the basics there and say you've got little kids and like in five years, you're like, these pillows are so worn out. We've seen to replace those. Then I mm-hmm. think that's okay too. I say, spend okay. your money on your master bedroom. People always put their master at the bottom of the list. You deserve it. You have spent so much money. You deserve to have a master bedroom that feels like your dream. Yeah. And especially I feel like if you've got kids, like, that is that is your own space. It's probably one of your the very few spaces that is just yours. Yeah. Like yeah. don't settle. <laughs> what are people putting in pantries? Anything crazy right now? What should we all know? It depends on if it's a working pantry or if it's just storage. So if it's kind of like a what they would call like a scullery or almost like a secondary mm-hmm. kitchen, a lot of times we're putting in maybe a sink. We've got a dishwasher drawer, maybe a drink drawer, possibly a second undercounter fridge there. And so you kind of get that little extra spillover for if you're having a party, you can put just like wine glasses in, in the dishwasher drawer. You can put your Gatorades or waters in your refrigerator drawer, beverage fridge for that second gallon of milk that you think you might need at the holidays or orange juice that's kind of big. If it's just for storage, I still, I'm a big fan of just having a sink just in case you need it. You know, it's nice to just say, okay, I want to fill up my flower vase right here and I can just stick it right here and I can do it really fast instead of taking Mm -hmm. it all the way back out into the kitchen. But we're loving kind of doing these good looking drawers in a pantry that have almost like a little finger grab. It's Mm -hmm. like on the front, they're flat panel. They've got a little half moon Mm -hmm. shape cut out at the top and it just seems really easy for kids. And you can just throw all those goldfish bags in there and those Doritos bags. And it's just really Mm -hmm. easy. And I find that a drawer is always going to be more convenient than cabinet doors because Mm -hmm. you can see down into a drawer, but you have to get kind of down and bend down to Mm -hmm. see inside of a big cabinet. So we're doing very few cabinet doors in general. And mostly in kitchens, we're doing big drawers that can hold your pots and pans, hold your dinner plates, even hold your even a, a shallow drawer up top that holds your spices. And so you can mm-hmm. just see it so much better. Mm-hmm. Love it. I do love a drawer. Cabinets are the worst. I know. Okay. Speaking of other workhorse areas, how about like the mud room? What are people putting in there now? So I think the mud room is such a fun kind of new focus for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I didn't grow up with a mud room. My mom had four children has, I mean, has, there's four of us and, <laughs> it would have helped her out a lot to have a mudroom. And I think that it's like such a wonderful part of kind of the modern living. I think mudrooms are very popular, say out West for sports equipment or even up North for winter things. But Mm -hmm. we just, that's not something we really have in a lot of homes here in the South. So I love that that has become very much on the forefront of having a designated space for the backpack, for the shoes, the sports equipment, I think is huge just having two boys, like, yo, that football helmet and the pad <laughs> also just takes up some space. And it's kind of one of the last things you sort of grab when you're going out the door. It doesn't need to be stored all the way in the closet, all the way upstairs. Mm-hmm. So I think the mudroom is great. Cubbies are wonderful. We're doing a lot of like drawers underneath sort of the locker style. And that drawer has like a little grating on the front or something that kind of provides a little airflow for shoes. <laughs> Having a locker even that has like three hooks inside of it, like on the sides and on the back inside the locker with a solid door so that you have multiple places to hang things. And then you can sit like a backpack in the bottom if need be just for that 
raincoat that it seems to be that we're using so frequently these days. <laughs> and then up at the top is usually an open cubby where you could put a basket for say your winter hat and your scarf and your gloves, or maybe it's your dog leashes or those things you don't use all the time, but that's kind of the designated place for them. I like a mudroom cubby with a door just because it looks so neat and tidy. But I do think that there's something to be said for them being open to and kind of knowing kind of what's in them. So it seems like it kind of depends on where your mudroom is situated and the uh, sight lines into it. If you're going to see it from your kitchen where you're already cooking, then maybe you want the doors. If it's kind of tucked away and you're like, it's a pass through, Mm -hmm. you can probably get away with open and it being more messy. Absolutely. I do feel like having plans, especially, or having someone like, you know, your designer kind of looking at it with you, having someone objective probably helps you really figure out how are you looking into the space and really Mm -hmm. walking through it. I don't know. There's something about plans, like physical plans to me that makes Mm -hmm. it so easy to like envision walking through a space. I think so too. And if you have been in other homes, like kind of gleaning that, mm. what love and, you know, what you liked and disliked from other spaces is, is nice too. Like I had a mudroom that was so big and it was to waste of space, but I really wanted a bigger bunch pantry or a bigger pantry. Or maybe it was like I had a designated like built-in home office, but I never even sat there. It just collected junk. What would happen in my house? You know, <laughs> if it's just the bell drop, then you won't sit there. You're going to probably more than likely sit at the kitchen island or even at the kitchen table so you can have eyes and ears on the kids really kind of weighing that out mm-hmm. if you work from home though I'm big on finding a place that's kind of outside of that main kind of hub so that you can concentrate we were working with a client right now and she had just kind of drawn in a little corner desk in a lot in the laundry room <laughs> and it was just like for her knees and she could put her laptop right there and she's like this is going to be where I work from home and she's an attorney for like Coca-Cola. And I was like, <laughs> no, you cannot. Like you have a kind of a big job. Like, and if you're on a Zoom yeah. call, they can't see your washer dryer going in the background. <laughs> so she just yeah. looked at me and she was like, thank you. Like I totally agree, but she didn't even know that she didn't right. need that corner mm-hmm. desk. And so at the end of the conversation, we had put her downstairs in a quiet corner of her pretty basement that still has a big window designed a whole wall of built-ins a beautiful light she's got her own bathroom now and she's so happy so yeah yeah, like you said caroline just an objective person to say like are you sure yeah yeah well i wonder now even just with the work from home situation about like multiple possible workspaces like maybe it's not multiple home offices that's a little over the top but like perches throughout where you know like okay because like I, I'm thinking about like do you remember in like the, the 90s and early 2000s there was that that little desk always in the kitchen it was like yeah. the mom desk mm-hmm. and I feel like those have sort of gone out of vogue because we need those kitchen spaces that that storage space for so many other things and and it, it never really seemed like a big enough spot but we had a desk I mean that's because we had a desktop computer like a laptop wasn't a thing 
You know what I mean? Like right. that was a family computer. Yeah. And, you had to and mom wanted to be able to see that her kids weren't in some creepy chat room or something, you know? Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> Caroline. And, now, and now, right? Like, isn't that why that was there? Like, the I definitely was in some creepy chat room for sure. Back in the, yeah. Like you wanted to monitor your kids' internet usage. Anyways. It's um, sitting at the home desk. Like I can picture me on some AOL chat room in like sixth grade. Yep. Continue. Anyway. Yeah, but it was in the kitchen. And now everyone's got a tablet and you've, you're more than likely working on a laptop. I mean, you might have some double monitors or something, but I feel like it's nice just to have a couple different spots where I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. if I, if I want to sit at the kitchen counter, I've got an outlet right here. If I need to go to a desk, that's in the living room. I mean, even now when you've got your kids, maybe and yourself and your husband all working in the same spot, like. I don't know, where are some other places maybe that you even want to tuck a work spot that's not necessarily built in cabinetry, but just a perch? Right. So having a little sitting space in a master bedroom, I think is really nice if you have the room for it. If you can have a beautiful window that overlooks your yard, maybe you can squeeze in two chairs there and an ottoman to where you could sit there with your laptop and answer a couple of emails. Mm-hmm. I think a breakfast room, especially if it's kind of off on its own, is really nice too, because you just get so much sunlight and you're kind of not feeling so office A lot of times the houses that we do for our clients have a primary living space, like a family room, but then they'll have kind of a sitting room too. So I think that's nice to have that you can just kind of get away. Mm-hmm. We get this question a lot because especially when kids were working, like doing schoolwork from home, like how are we going to set up desks or how do we create a space for them that they can concentrate that's not in the family living room? Mm-hmm. I know for me, I had to create a space that was kind of out of sight from the main living space, out of sight of a television for my, at the time he was in second, you know, first grade um, <laughs> so that he could concentrate. Mm-hmm. And and it was just a little corner, but it, it wasn't distracting. He could put his headphones on and it was fine. And so chances are you've got a space like that in your house too, where you could do that if you had to, if we all have to teach our kids school at home again, but hopefully we're past that. Hopefully we're past that. <laughs> Okay, so Maggie, I want to get to the to sort of the the final stage of the project because I feel like, and I know this is sort of a weird time, things are delayed. Maybe you can't do a full installation like you used to. But okay, we've gone through all this the the planning. You've you've walked me through all that. What are those final steps in the project? I mean, I'm talking punch list, your your contractors wrapping up, like what does that look like? And then how do you transition sort of from that contracting, you know, the, the building stage into the installation of the draperies and the furniture and all that? Like, what does that look like? Right. Even with the most thought out planning, dotting I's, crossing T's, there will be things at the end that you still have to be there on site for. Lighting is a big one. The way that they wire houses now is there's a ton of wire in the wall. It used to not be like that. It was, you had to really know where everything was going to go. But now it's a little bit more fluid, but you still need to be there on site to say that chandelier is going to be hung right here in the center of the room Mm -hmm. and be 34 inches from the top of the table. Those island pendants need to be split on the third, and then they're going to be 36 inches apart in the middle. All that stuff still needs to be decided at the end. Lighting is huge, obviously. And then just confirming that stain of your hardwood floors like 100% before they commit to the whole thing. Or just making sure that that paint color actually translated onto the wall the way you saw it on the paint chip. 
all of that is kind of towards the end. There will always be a punch list. Like every contractor will have a punch list. There will be paint touch-ups that have to be done. There will probably be a light that needs to be raised or lowered. It's just the nature of it. So we're there to facilitate a lot of that. And when we start talking about an install on someone in someone's house that is nearing completion, we kind of start staying on the contractor's back. Like, okay, you told me so-and-so, please let me know if that date still stands. We have a project right now. Our original date was September. It was moved to October and now it's in November and they promised me that it's November. But for me, I don't want to move a single thing into my client's home before that home is finished. I have had some times where I was moving things in and things were not completed and it was very stressful. Everyone's trying to kind of work around each other. It is best for everybody if that home is ready to accept an install. And I tell my contractors, I don't care what the date is. I just want you to be honest with me. Like, Mm -hmm. don't. And I think the homeowner is the same way too. Like, don't tell us it's going to be finished at the end of October and it's actually going to be finished at the end of November. I just rather hear it from you honestly on what you think we can achieve. So even from the get-go, before we schedule an install, we have had a conversation to really hone in on when it's going to be best for us to come. Chances are over the past six months prior to that install, we've been ordering all of your items. They're at the receiver. Our receiver checks in every item that comes in. He tells us which client it goes to. So we're kind of following along. We know that the beds are in, the mattresses have arrived, the chairs are in, and we're planning for a three-day install more than likely on a whole house. So same way you do when you're building a room is when you're installing a house, you kind of start from the ground up. We need those rugs to get off the truck first. Those big area rugs, they just need to get off the truck first. They need to get down. Everybody needs to know that they can't step on those with muddy shoes. Like get the big jute area rugs down in the Mm -hmm. bedrooms. And then we kind of build up from there. Okay. Now we bring in the sofas. We bring in the chairs. We bring in the beds. And then for the next couple of days, it's just that layering process. Our installer is there to hang all the drapery rods. We go room by room to talk about how we want those to be, how far off the to stack the rods from the molding, if we want to do return, the whole nine. And then we've got a team usually there to hang all of our heavy pieces, all of our heavier mirrors, our heavier pieces of art. And then at the very end, we spread out all of the accessories, the secondary items, the smaller pieces, usually across the kitchen island. You know, we've covered it with blankets and then that's the fun part. And then it starts to look like home. And we're coming in when we're hanging that beautiful heirloom collection of China that you really wanted to use or your pretty oils that you've picked up along the way. And, and some of those pieces, all the pieces that make it feel like your house. So if we're using a lot of the client's items, we ask that those are already on site and those are unpacked because you really don't want us to have to bill you to unpack your items, right? Or, or you do, whatever. But it's it just goes a little bit smoother. And so I bring in a team. There's usually about five of us who come in to do various parts of the installation. We like to have all of the bedding pressed prior to install. So we'll take it to the dry cleaner. It's all pretty, no wrinkles. And so my assistant, my two assistants will go and they'll just do beds. And they'll be going for like hours. Fluffing the beds, getting the mattress pads on, the sheets, all of that turnkey. And then... My associate designer, Grace Brackman, she comes on a lot of our big installs. And so I can kind of task her with hanging things because I know she's just going to kind of do it the way I would do it. 
So she'll go in and she'll just hang all the plates, something that we wouldn't necessarily ask our installer company to do. I would not torture them that way. (laughs) Plate collection. But then that's a time too, where we have the client usually is there that afternoon to do a walkthrough. We're talking about missing pieces, like what's not here? What do we need to track? What do we need to fill in with? If you truly are a turnkey client, then we have put all of your dishes in your cabinets. We put your glasses in the cabinets. We put your forks in the drawers. We put your dish towels in. We've put toilet toilet paper paper in all of the bathrooms. We've got probably some groceries in the fridge. So that's fun too, to kind of do it that way. And then they walk in and they can immediately enjoy their house. It seems like that makes a lot of sense for, for a vacation home where, especially if you don't live super close by, you might be for the first time, you're going to be there for like a week until you want to, or longer and you want to like, yeah. And then sometimes like we use Neat Method, who was an amazing organizational company out of Atlanta, Neat Method. They have two locations now. I think they're in Macon and Atlanta Perimeter, but they can come in too. And uh, in addition to us, and they can outfit your pantry with all of the things that you need to keep a working pantry. That's Lazy Susan's. Those are beautiful clear bins stocking that too. And I think that is such a, if you can, it's just, it makes your life. So it's fun and it makes it easier and it's all organized. They'll organize the closets for you. If it's your primary residence, they'll come in and they'll take everything out of the closet and it'll be, look like a boutique afterwards. Wow. (laughs) It's fun. The dream. Amazing. Yeah, totally. No, I mean, I can see why people hire you. Yes. Yes. Please do all of that. I want to do none of that. (laughs) (laughs) are there things that you feel like make a lot of sense for a vacation home that sort of differ or like things that differ from a vacation home from your primary residence and how that those final stages are going to look some of that stuff it seems like the turnkey picking out dishes like that's not really something that would happen with your primary residence i assume you're right about that if usually there they have a set of they're every day that they're loving and they're bringing in. And, and to me, I love that because it builds on their story, even though their home might be completely newly renovated or they've got a new build coming, but those are things that they have brought with them along the way. Now, a second home, chances are you may need twice as many dishes for a second home as you would mm-hmm. your primary residence, because you're going to be entertaining larger groups of people, especially if you're at the beach in a large home that maybe sleeps 12, 16 people you really need to have a pretty big set of whatever you do just to kind of make time like room for everybody. But in a second home, you probably don't need big old walk-in closets. I wouldn't probably put a whole lot of money there. I, if you need mm-hmm. the primary bedroom to have a nice closet so that you can stay there for a longer period of time, but secondary spaces, chances are you're not going to be there kind of out of a suitcase for maybe more than three or four nights. And maybe those spaces turn into storage, but I probably wouldn't spend too much time on those. Now you're going to want to have nicely appointed bedrooms. And like we spoke about earlier, spaces that your guests can kind of unwind, probably a chair in each of those bedrooms, especially in a second home, because you're going to be hosting people that are kind of coming in and out more often. Lots of places for kind of gear, I think is nice too. So gear, beach gear, if you're there, space for beach towels, let's think about doing two sets of washer dryers, maybe even another laundry room elsewhere in the house so that all of that turnover doesn't take quite as much time. A place for gear storage, maybe you've got kind of a hidden closet. Maybe it's got like a cool jib door and it's kind of the space where all that gear goes. 
if you're doing a second home, say on a, a plantation setting and you need more hunting gear, well, it's by all means, that's going to be locked and probably with a code, all those things that you would kind of need for those fall weekends and to have that out kind of locked up and out of the way. I know that kind of our fur babies are also something to consider for a second home. We've got one client over in Noonan right now. She put in the cutest little dog shower in her mudroom and a little dress. She's like, we could hose the children off too, but it's really for the dog. Um, But It's small. It's like three by three. It's got a drain, just subway tile and a, a nozzle. So that I thought that was really smart. And then there's a space for, them to put the crate kind of under a cabinet. That's the way they live every day. But then Mm -hmm. in more of a farm setting, you may have a couple of dogs. There may be the children bring their dogs there the weekend or their hunting dogs to have a space for that kind of thing too. So I think it just depends on kind of who you're going to be hosting and how you're going to be living there for the weekend. Mm -hmm. To me, like my family, we just all kind of want to be together. There's periphery bedrooms when we're all under the same roof, but no one's really hanging out of them. You're kind of all kind of cuddled up and piled up on big sofas and comfy chairs and want to be within earsight of the cook. (laughs) Yeah. Or the cook wants to be within within sight of us. So, Right. And those are all good. Are there any common pitfalls at the end of a project that you see happening over and over again that people need to be prepared for? Common pitfalls. Certainly right now, just (laughs) being patient with maybe something that hasn't arrived when it said it was. Mm -hmm. I do think that that's something that's just really out of our control. But knowing that we're on top of it and we're going to bring it as soon as we can. We've got clients that are missing beds, chairs, things that we thought would have been in months ago. So just also just kind of being patient with that right now. And, and also if there's something that's truly wrong, that will fix it. There have been mistakes made because we're only human, but they've all been fixed. And just knowing that we're doing our very best and we're giving you everything. And we hope that you always want it in your home. So, you know, if it's a rug that's a little bit too big or that needs to be trimmed down, we'll take care of it. (laughs) You know, just leaving a little bit of grace and and patience, too, with that process right now, because it's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. And then what about just from your taking off your interior designer hat, but like talking back to kind of like the contractor and the architect, like anything that comes up at the end, if you are within a year of your house being built and you have issues with the structure, like how do those types of things go? Who fixes that? Is that, I mean... Yeah, well, first and foremost, your contractor would be the first person to call if something truly happened because they're going to have more knowledge about kind of the way that was installed or the way it should be working. And then they will facilitate getting the proper sub to fix mm-hmm. or tweak or, or whatever. Knowing, too, that, that things will happen <laughs> is also part of it. They will happen and and it's okay and it will it will get fixed, I think, is part of it, too. So say your refrigerator goes out. Well, your contractor will contact so-and-so that would, you're, hopefully it would be under warranty and all these things that would kind of like the steps that would happen after that. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's something with something that we've done, like the other day, one of my favorite clients, Amira, like this is truly my, what I, wakes me up at night thinking about nightmares. The mirror <laughs> was on the wall and one side like had like stripped and like come down. And so it was like sort of like resting uh, kind of like on her table. Mm. And 
she said the plate that had fallen off that was hanging beside it did not break. And I was like, and so I texted my installer and I was like, she's kind of freaking out and I'm freaking out. Can you go fix this for me? And he went like that. And she was so grateful. And so hopefully that doesn't happen again <laughs> for a really, really, really long time. Cause that was a first, but if something like that happens, I'll be there to fix it. I'll be there to help. Mm-hmm. I'll be there. Sometimes we'll have zippers bust or a drapery hymn that got caught in like a vacuum cleaner. Like we'll, we'll fix it. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's what we're here for. Mm-hmm. I guess I just am so fascinated by like, I, I get all, like, there's so much planning that goes into so it. So much. And I get the, all the steps with hiring your team and drawing the plans. And then it just seems like, Oh, okay. It's done. Like, yeah, it just seems like that in so far. Like, how does that, I don't know. I just want to know more about this end process <laughs> because it just <laughs> seems like, so like it would be so sudden. I don't know. Well, it can feel very, I mean, it's certainly a relationship, especially if you and the client click, like I, I feel that way about most of mine. Like it's sad to say bye, <laughs> but it's, it's also, you hope that there will be something else that we can mm-hmm. work on or for you and we'll see mm-hmm. them again. Yeah. I can see where it's definitely something you have to kind of like all the high you kind of have to like dial back slowly too. But because there is always we've never been to an install where everything was there on time. Like it just, it doesn't happen. So it kind of is a nice, like, <laughs> there's I'll a slow trickle out. You're not yeah. getting rid of me yet. Um, <laughs> I like a it. lot of clients that are doing new builds, whether it's primary residence or, or um, second home, we'll kind of do the first floor first and then we'll revisit and we'll do the second floor or the basement. So that's a, that's great too, because it allows a little bit more fun to be had. Most of my clients, then I get to work with their daughter or their daughter-in-law or like they'll call me and say, we're having our first grandbaby. It's time for a nursery. So it's nice to kind of continue on. Yeah. Keep that relationship going. Okay. Yes. Well, and because I know that this, these episodes are going to publish around the holidays, they can always call you to decorate because y'all Maggie, if you aren't following Maggie out on Instagram, her Christmas decorating is top notch. <laughs> so I feel like you have a blitz at right after Thanksgiving every year. And it's mm-hmm. one of my favorite things on Instagram yeah. to follow you. So always gives me such good ideas. We have someone in-house who's doing Christmas decorating for us now, which is great. Thank you so much. Yeah. The holidays are so much fun. And it's, to me, it's like, I love that you've been talking to a client about where's your Christmas tree going to go? You know, mm-hmm. when you're planning something like, how are you going to set your table at the holidays. So it's all, it's all fun. All about family, all about fun. Okay. What, what are any last thoughts before we wrap up the series? I feel like there's gotta be something. I mean, we've talked a lot, so. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's, it's just, it's fun and it's a exciting process and it, and it can be stressful, but just knowing kind of at the end of the day, like this is your home. Like this is mm-hmm. the environment you're creating for your family to thrive, I think can alleviate some of that. And just to know, like, you're going to get so many wonderful times and experiences and love out of this place. And who knows, it may inspire you to do it all over again. No, no. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Here's my last question, actually. Says Maggie, who's done it multiple times. In the very first, in the, in the very first episode, we talked all about Maggie's own project and how she's lived in like six different places 
over the course of the last 10 years and she's renovated many, many homes. So um, here's my question for you. Is this, is this really your last house you think? Oh, no, it's not actually. Well, it will be, to me, it will be the house that our children say they grew up in. So it will be the house that is our. You're already day. planning the next one. Wait, what? No, 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 no. Just from this was part of our discussion because it was a big deal for us to do what we did earlier this year. It was, um, we told my oldest, um, our youngest, does, he won't, he won't remember any of this, but my oldest is just, he's typical oldest child. He's so much like me. Change is difficult. And we told him we're on vacation. And of course, David and I practiced all these things that we were going to say. And we really <laughs> thought so much about it that that would have, could have easily been a determining factor, whether we did it or not. And so we talked about all of those things, like what does this next chapter mean for us? Like, what does this house mean? What does this look like for us? So for us, we, we don't say anything is forever because I think that there's always a fun opportunity around the corner, but this is the house that we talk about at dinner with our boys that we want them to be a part of and telling us what their wants are. Last night we had this debate over whether they should put all like Tesla posters all over their walls or like my <laughs> all dinosaurs all over his walls. And it's, I mean, I want them to be excited. And right now I'm telling them they can have whatever they want. You know? so, <laughs> I mean, they'll be old. It'll, it'll change 10 more times over the next You're Right. But this is what we, what we want to do right now with our good friends and build right next door to them and share that kind of communal friend, family love and be in our neighborhood. But David and I both enjoy it. And I think that we, long we know what um kind of to expect out of the process and we have fun doing it and so we we've already started talking about maybe just like a little structure maybe back home that could be a little like we can get away for us um <laughs> yeah so, crazy last one the projects never end it's essentially your answer but essentially the, the answer yeah but we do enjoy it and we we don't plan on leaving this one for a long time we want this to be I mean, it would be awesome if this was the house that like our future daughter-in-laws visited too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Maggie, thank you. I can't thank you enough. Truly yes, for thank you so joining much. us on this long series. It was so great to have your feedback and guidance and, and expertise mm -hmm. along the way. And can you tell everyone where to find you, follow you, see all the awesome new projects you've got going on so they can see what you're up to. Yes. Yeah, so y'all um, can follow me over at Maggie Finn Design on Instagram. There's a little highlight that's titled Griffin Home so that you can follow along our building process. You can see our portfolio on maggiegriffindesign.com and visit our retail side at maggiegriffinathome.com where Maggie Griffin Design on Pinterest and on Facebook. So thank y'all so much. It's been so much fun. I need to, I want to follow your house for sure. <laughs> all right. Well, guys, I hope that we answered all of the questions that you had about building a house. We've, we've gotten many, many over the years. We've talked about doing this series for a long time. So I really hope that we've covered it all. We appreciate y'all sticking with us through the series and send us your feedback. We hope maybe we'll have a follow-up episode if we really, <laughs> if we really need to, we, we have an answer with something. So yeah. <laughs> For sure. And and certainly when Maggie and Taryn are done with their projects, we'll have to have a little oh, and we can even do like any anything any regrets? Regrets 
and yeah. Cool. Great. Differently. Yeah. So I will talk the whole episode and Maggie will be just talking about how she's very good at her job. It'll be great. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, be sure to follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, happy Happy decorating. decorating!